happy Mother's Day uh, to all of you that are already moms. I say happy Mother's Day to you for those of you that are going to be moms one day. Happy future Mother's Day. Um, everybody watching, you have a mom. And so I hope that you told her happy Mother's Day today. She's still living. If she's not, I'm sure today was bittersweet, but a time uh, to remember. And I pray that a lot of those memories were positive. And um, so on this day, uh, Mother's Day, I'm going to hit that topic uh, right in alignment with where we've been. So let me just say a prayer and, um, and we're going to hop in, okay? Father, we love you today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy in our lives. Thank you on this Mother's Day, Father, that you're a father and a mother to those, God, that they don't have mothers with them or, or mothers who comforted them or taught them or trained them in the faith. God, we thank you for those of us who had godly mothers as an example of your love toward us. But for those that don't, I thank you, Father, that you fill in that void. And, and we just honor you today. Holy Spirit, we honor your presence. And today, as we just begin to talk about women who change the world, I just pray, Holy Spirit, you will guide my words, direct this teaching open the hearts and the ears of every woman listening. I just pray right now that the light of revelation would go forth. Lord, as I speak, illuminate revelation to me that I haven't seen before. But I pray even more so, Father, that illumination will come to every woman listening so that as she hears the word, you unlock the layers, you unlock the hidden treasure of what is being said. Um, May the gift of revelation rest upon each woman in this group watching. Unlock your secret treasure. Build us, Father, by your word. Strengthen us by your word today as we give heed to your word, which is power and life. And we just worship you right now. Our hearts are open to you. Our ears are open to you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, happy Mother's Day. Um, I'm going to get started now on this 32nd day of counting the Omar. And I want to teach a lesson today that I'm going to title A Tale of Two Moms. It is Mother's Day today, and because it's Mother's Day, it's really hard to avoid the topic of moms. It's been such a focus And as we look at scripture, there is so much powerful revelation about moms who changed history and moms who changed the world. And if you know me, you're going to know that this is a very passionate subject of mine. Um, I have many titles, as many of you do, um, many titles that I carry, many roles that I play, many hats that I wear. But there is no greater privilege of my life than the title of mother, no greater role Um, that I have than the role of mom. And I said it in a former lesson that we had together, and I say it again today. There are many things that I could fail at, and I would be disappointed, but I don't think that I could ever bear the thought of failing in my assignment as mother. I may not always be the greatest preacher. I may not um, be famous, and I may not make millions of dollars, and all that's okay. As long as I raise my family and build the house God has called me to build, I would lay down at night and be satisfied. And I find it a great joy. Motherhood is a challenge. I need an amen from some ladies listening out there. Motherhood is a challenge. You know, it begins with death 
birth is the closest a woman comes to death uh, by natural means. And you enter motherhood, you gain that title by first learning to die and experiencing pain that produces life. That's the first test of motherhood. And then you find out very quickly that that little bundle of joy is precious, but it consumes everything about you. And the journey of motherhood is a journey of self-denial. It is a journey of selflessness. And if you have a hard time being selfless, you're going to have a hard time being a mom. But the rewards on the other end are more than money could ever buy. Um, You know, moms may not get a lot of accolades in the secular world around us. Um, I heard it once said that the rewards of a mom are certificates, coloring pictures, and trophies on the wall. But I believe that heaven records the deeds of every mom and that history is made by the hand that rocks the cradle. And you know the saying, and I believe it fully, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And moms, you are a hidden force. In fact, I believe the greatest untapped leaders in this world are mothers. The greatest untapped leaders in this nation are mothers. There are people who go to school and get degrees in leadership that a really good mother could probably have broken down those leadership tools and principles just by how she runs her house. We may not have the same titles that leadership curriculum carries, but we are... um, excellent leaders because we're leading the next generation. And so I just want to encourage you today as women, I recognize the leader you are. And I recognize that this nation rises and falls upon the hands of the next generation. And that next generation is being molded by you every day. Every day when no one is looking and no one is watching, you wake up a leader and you go to sleep a leader. And uh, you are leading in the most difficult way, not behind a computer screen, not behind the pages of a book, not in a one-hour classroom a week. You are leading by example 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You're being watched and you're, you're leading by example and there's little eyes that are following you and modeling what you do. It's pressure. It's pressure to be a mom. But I want to tell you, I'm so encouraged by the mothers that I know in this group. And I believe there's hope for our nation and hope for the future. As long as we remain women of fire, full of the Holy Spirit, making sure our homes are full of the glory of God. You better believe that this nation will change. Because again, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And so I want to begin a series um, in the counting of the Omer. I feel like the Lord just dropped something in my heart that I'm, I want to begin a little series according to the number seven. So we have really been embracing the number seven. Shout out to Amy Pilgrim. Didn't she do an incredible job this week? Doris Barker, she did an incredible job this week. And I can't wait for you to hear from some more anointed women of God um, on this group. Um, But we uh, broke down the number seven. And I hope you've been noticing it so much in your life. I hope, ladies, you're in your prayer group of seven. um, And that you're praying um, together um, in that, that menorah we've created of a agreement. And so I want to talk about a seven, seven women who changed the world. I'm literally going to go through uh, this week. And if we, if it bleeds into next week, that's fine. Seven women who changed the world. And I'm going to begin with two tonight. And these are very familiar passages to all of us. Some of the greatest, um, 
women that I've ever studied and I love to preach and teach. I'm going to say some things I've said before and then I've got some fresh revelation from each one of them because no matter how many times I study these stories, there's always something new the Holy Spirit has to say. And so I'm going to talk about seven women that changed the world and I'm going to start with two tonight and I'm going to call this the tale of two moms. The tale of two moms. And so some of you may have guessed where I was going, but it's to Judges chapter 4. To something I preached, um, I believe it was at last year's Women of Fire. Um, I preached an aspect of this story, but I want to hit something a little different today. Um, I want to talk about Deborah and Jael. Um, I love this chapter, Judges chapter 4. It's one of the greatest chapters you can ever read on Mother's Day um, because it is literally about two women who saved a nation. But it's about two women who represent two very different demographics of women. And I've shared this before. I've shared it in my book. I've shared it in sermons that so many times as mothers, we become insecure in who we are. And maybe you never struggled with this as a mom, but my makeup's off tonight, so I might as well be transparent. I have struggled comparing myself to other moms. I think we all do it. We compare ourselves to other moms by our children's behavior or uh, by how their kids dress compared to our kids, how they dress, or how clean their house is compared to ours, or how well they cook, or how well they shuffle uh, their career. And, you know, it's just difficult that as moms, sometimes we wake up and go to bed feeling so insufficient. And we look at other moms and we think, oh, they must have it together. And maybe you have never played the mom comparison game, but full transparency, I totally have. I have totally been jealous of other moms. I've totally wanted to know what she's drinking in the morning and what's her secret. And I'm here to tell you, as moms, we weren't made to be the same. And if you feel insufficient as the mother you are, or let me just go even further, if you're a daughter, whether you're a five-year-old daughter or a 50-year-old daughter, and you think your mom was insufficient for you, hold up. Because I'm here to tell you, um, when God put you in your mother's womb, and mom, when God put that baby in your womb, he knew you. He knew everything about you from the inside out. He knew the book that was written of the days of your life. And that baby you carry needs you. That baby he gave you needs you as its mother. The good, the bad, and the ugly, your, your strengths, your weaknesses, all of those are a part of what that child needs. God did not give you the gift of being a mother by mistake. And your child doesn't need another mom. Your child needs you. And for those of you daughters who feel like your mom's failed you, I challenge you to look and, and see. And I know there's been cases of abuse and abandonment, and I'm not going there. I'm just talking about maybe you just didn't like the flavor of your mom. But I'm here to tell you, your mom's strengths and your weaknesses made you who you are. And there's something to be gained in both. And so um, as mothers, as daughters, we've got to embrace our differences and not try to compare ourselves with everybody else um, and be confident in who God has called you to be. Even if it's in your flaws, be confident that your children even need your flaws. That's what I have to tell myself. Even my mistakes can be healthy for my children because God knows I need them and they need me. And so I'm going to jump in to a tale of two moms in Judges chapter 4 because it's two women, Deborah and Jael. And what we find is Deborah is the woman who is um, has a 
a platform. She is a public figure. Uh, we can even go further to say Deborah was a governmental leader. Deborah was the businesswoman who went to work every day under the palm tree. Uh, Deborah was the one who everybody knew her name. Deborah probably didn't lack for words. She was probably very confident in front of crowds. Everybody knew Deborah. Deborah had power. Deborah had authority. Uh, Deborah was on the front line. She was visible. And Deborah is one of the main characters of Judges chapter 4. And it was the actions and the voice of Deborah that shifted a nation. But then you have little J.L. And guess what? J.L. is the secret heroine of this story in Judges chapter 4. She's the one that we don't know if anybody knew her name. She was the little housewife, the tent maker, that may never have spoken in front of a crowd. We don't we don't know if she um, ever spoken in, in, in any level of influence or that anybody in Israel knew her name. I'm sure her family and friends did, but she didn't have the fame of Deborah. In fact, I've said it before, maybe JL went to bed at night thinking if I could just be like Deborah. Hey, do you know about Deborah? Let me let me let me just tell you how I wish I could look like her, act like her, talk like her. What would it be to be like Deborah? You know, JL may have felt insignificant, but she is the secret heroine of Judges chapter 4, and you find that God shifted a nation through two very different mothers, Deborah and JL, and it actually took both of them. And if we would stop criticizing and comparing ourselves to one another, ladies, and realize that you may parent a little different than me, your life may be a little different than me, and that's okay because our nation needs both of us. And whether you are a politician or you're a police officer or you're a judge or or you run a Fortune 500 company or whether you are a stay-at-home mom and, and you work all day in that house with those kids and or you homeschool or, you know, however mighty or insignificant you may seem to the society around you, to heaven, God needs both of you. And we need some women that don't feel less than to stay at home. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. I am convinced that, you know, myself, my brother, my sister, we've all been in ministry. We've all lived um, happy lives of influence and success. And I, I credit that to the fact that my mom stayed home with us. She was fully invested in our lives. I myself work. I'm, I'm busy a lot with my kids. I don't let that keep me from being a mom, but there was a season in my life I stayed home and there was a season in my life God needed me um, in different areas. And both of those roles are needed. We cannot criticize those who stay at home and we can't always criticize the women who have to go out and work and be influencers and do things outside the home. God gives grace to each family. You just got to make sure you're in the right position. If God tells you to be home, don't run out there and, and form a big career. It's just going to be in the way. But if God has opened doors of influence for you outside of the home, you can't afford to stay home. Other women need you to go out there and be a voice, to go out there and lead. And so just be the mom God's called you to be. And that's what we see in Judges chapter 4. Two women who were comfortable in their skin. They were comfortable in their role. And so I just want to give us a setting for Judges chapter 4 and then dive into a little bit of revelation on Mother's Day and this 32nd day of counting the Omer.
First of all, we see that in Judges chapter 4, the children of Israel have been stuck. In fact, this whole chapter, for several years, they have been stuck in a cycle of sin and rebellion. The nation of Israel is really in a struggle, a moral struggle, an idolatry struggle. They're struggling with victory. They're, there's no peace. And the children of Israel um, are rebellious children. That, that word is so appropriate when God calls them the children of Israel. And as moms, we can understand God using a term like that. The nation of Israel is acting as a child. It still needs teaching and molding and structure. And the children of Israel are operating probably like in their terrible twos. Um, they're not learning. They're not picking up on the lessons of the Lord. God is disciplining. They are coming to repent. And then as soon as they get comfortable, they forget the discipline of the Lord and they go right back to their sin. And if you've ever raised a child who struggles with rebellion, you know how exhausting it is to to daily have to discipline repeated actions and it doesn't seem like they're getting it. And that's where the children of Israel were. And in Judges chapter 4, we find yet again, there was a small season of peace and the children of Israel began to enter right back into sin. And because of that, the Lord often used the nations of the earth to discipline his people. You know, you may discipline in whatever way at home, whether you have a spanking spoon or whether you put in time out or however you discipline. God's method of discipline many times with the children of Israel was to use um, enemy nations, was to give them access or authority in certain areas of their life. It was their chastisement. It was their punishment. Um, sometimes if they felt comfortable and if they walked in peace, they assumed everything was okay. And so God could not leave them in peace during their idolatry and their rebellion because they would have continued in that way. The children of Israel would listen. They would stop and examine their ways when they lost their peace and their prosperity, when war was among them. And so God was continually um, allowing um, enemy nations to come in and steal the peace and prosperity of Israel to get their attention. You know, just like you had to take things from your kids to get their attention, whether it was their Thomas the Trains or their candy or their favorite book or maybe they're teenagers and you take their Xbox. It's when our children are going down a path that's not healthy, but they don't seem to be recognizing it and you have to take something or move something or inflict pain to get their attention and let them know, I am more concerned about your eternal character than I am your temporal comfort. And as a parent, many times we remove temporal comfort in order to correct internal character. And God does the same thing. He is the ultimate parent. And so many times if things are going wrong in our life, you know, we automatically think God's mad at us or he hates us. And Sometimes it's just a straight attack of the enemy, um, but sometimes maybe God is allowing a little bit of discomfort in our life like a good parent to let us know, hey, things aren't okay right now. I can't let you um, just walk off this cliff of rebellion or disobedience or, or harmful behavior patterns, and I'm going to put a roadblock in front of you that may be uncomfortable in this season, but that's what a good parent does. And so the children of Israel, they have They've basically been taken over by one of their enemies. They've been sold into slavery um, to King Jabin. And uh, King Jabin has a commander of his army, has a very mighty army. His commander is Sisera. And it says that they had 900 chariots. And just the number of chariots and the type of chariots always represented the strength of the enemy. And the word of God is letting us know right here, this was a very strong oppressor. It reminds me of Egypt and how um, the Egyptians had all those chariots that were of taken into the Red Sea when, when God parted it and that those chariots represented the strength of Egypt. 
And so this was a very strong enemy. And I just need to interject something that's not in my notes right here. If you're a mom, this is just a, a mom encouragement right here, and you struggle with discipline, let me just remind you that the Lord chastises those he loves. And when there is a lack of chastisement, the Lord says it's a lack of fatherhood or parenting. And I'm here to tell you that moms love even when it hurts. And I know that disciplining your children can be hard. Making them uncomfortable for any season. Seeing them angry at you. Seeing them cry. Seeing them um, not be your buddy for a moment. Um, may be difficult, but let me encourage you that the God nature in you is a nature to correct and mold behavior through creative methods. The Holy Spirit will speak to you, but don't let your children manipulate you and guilt you out of being the parent you're called to be. And sometimes a heavy hand is what it takes for real love to mold your children for future success Temporal comfort does not equal future success. I just want to encourage you uh, to to do it with love. Rules without love equal rebellion. But even if you're a disciplinary parent and you have rules, if there is love that equally accompanies that, your children will eventually thank you. And so God has a heavy hand on his children here because he loves Israel too much to leave them in their rebellion. And so we find out Israel's in a bad place. In fact, Judges chapter 5 verse 7 paints um, a picture for us of Israel that almost sounds like America right now. It almost sounds like the nation our children are being raised in. In fact, it specifically even sounds like where we are now with quarantine. But Judges, Judges chapter 5 um, verse 7, I'll start actually in verse 6. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, main roads were abandoned and travelers used roundabout paths. Village life ceased. It ceased until I, Deborah, arose. I arose a mother in Israel. They were choosing new gods and warfare was at the city gates. But not a shield or spear was to be seen among 40,000 in Israel. So let me paint a picture. Israel has been purchased by King Jabin. They're in slavery. He has a very heavy hand of oppression. So much of a heavy hand that normal life has ceased. Village life has ceased. They're not coming out in the streets. They're, They're hiding. They're sneaking around roundabout paths. They're terrified. The children are terrified. Families are terrified. It's a wicked oppression. And all the while, Israel is choosing new gods. They're trying new forms of idolatry as if Past forms of idolatry are not enough. They are now inventing new forms of idolatry. I've preached on idolatry many times over the years, and we know that our nation struggles with idolatry, but never have I seen a time when it feels like our generation is like inventing new forms of idolatry. We are looking for something new to worship. We are looking for something new to devote our time, our attention, our finances toward. I look at the race for technology and development uh, between our cell phones and our computers and social media and video games, and it's like every week something new 
is being developed. Uh, things are going obsolete from month to month. It's like we are looking for new images to worship. And this is where Israel was. All the while, the more they gave into idolatry, the more that warfare was at the gate. There was always warfare and a lack of peace. And this is what it seems like we wake up to every day in our nation. Warfare in the airways, warfare in the home, warfare in the marriage, warfare in the schools, warfare in the church. Everywhere we look, there is conflict. There is a great lack of peace. Even in the bride of Christ, we see conflict and division and a lack of peace because where idolatry is, peace cannot be found. Where the door of idolatry is opened, a gate of warfare is opened. And this is where we see our nation right now. And this is where we see the children of Israel in Judges chapter 4. So guess what? Israel is full of new forms of idolatry. Israel is rocked by warfare. And then it says this, Israel has no weapons. Israel is unarmed. It literally says there was not a shield or spear to be seen among 40,000 troops in Israel. No weapons. The enemy had completely disarmed Israel. And you have to look back a little bit in Israel's history to understand what Judges chapter 5 is referring to. And it was actually a tactic of the the Philistines. In order to gain control of Israel, they took their weapons. How did they take their weapons? Well, first of all, they disarmed them. So much could be said there that I will choose not to say today in this Facebook Live, but they disarmed them and then they destroyed all of the blacksmith shops. They took control of the blacksmith shops in Israel so that they could not create weapons. Why is this important revelation? Because the purpose of a blacksmith shop is to equip or arm the army of Israel. Blacksmith shops made spears and swords and gavelins and every type of weapon you could imagine. A blacksmith shop was an armory. It was an arsenal. And when those were destroyed by the Philistines, the children of Israel had no place to go to receive weapons. Where's the prophetic layer of this? Well, the last time I checked, it is the fivefold ministry that was given as a gift to the body of Christ to equip the saints. To equip the saints. The apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, and teacher. The fivefold ministry was formed not so they could gain glory and fame and power, so they could literally be the servant of all and equip the saints. Where do you go to be equipped? To that fivefold ministry in the body of Christ. That's why the church is so needed. You may have thought that church was about fulfilling a weekly religious obligation. You may have thought that church was about getting your praise on and making you feel better and encouraging you for the week. And it is about encouragement. You might have thought that church was about you getting two hours of free child care and getting a break. I did think that way as a mom some Sundays. But actually the purpose of church is to equip the saints. Okay, when everyone was screaming uh, during quarantine, when churches were shut down, it's about time we got to stop going to church and we've got to stop being the church. I want to echo what Kevin said. Yes, we are supposed to be the church, but yes, we are supposed to go to church because to be the church we're called to be, we have to have an arsenal to be equipped. And this is the purpose of church gathering. 
Not because you can't be a Christian without it. During this time of quarantine, if you found out that you had a hard time maintaining your Christianity without church, you need to examine your personal relationship with God. Because you don't have to go to church to have a prayer life, to read your Bible, and to maintain your your personal relationship with God. But what church is about is equipping you, equipping the entire body to go out and be an effective army for the kingdom of God, to be an effective church. When you come to church, you should experience the fivefold ministry. I hope you see the fivefold ministry in your church. If you don't see the fivefold ministry in your church, then you've got to pray that the full equipping that God destined for you comes alive in your church because without Five, I do not have the full use of my hand. And without the full use of my hand, I cannot effectively pick up a weapon and swing a sword. Okay, If I was to lose any of my fingers, it would affect my grip. And I'm here to tell you, a church that is lacking any of that five-fold ministry cannot effectively swing a sword. It may can swing some, but it doesn't have the strength and the accuracy it needs. And so you need to make sure that there is prophetic ministry taking place in your church, that there is pastoral ministry taking place in your church, that there is evangelistic ministry taking place in your church, that there is teaching ministry taking place place in your church and that there's apostolic covering and leadership over your church and and the casting out of devils and the healing of sick all of those following the apostolic ministry when that is happening in your church then literally your church is the blacksmith shop your church is the arsenal it's the place you go to get the weapons you need to go out and be the church so you attend church so that you can be the church and guess what we are finding in our nation There's an attack on the blacksmith shops. There's an attack on the arsenals. Right now, we are having a hard time assembling together, which is exactly what the Bible said we could not neglect as the days would grow short, as the end times would unfold. The Bible said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together because during those times, you would need the encouragement, the exhortation, the edification of the fivefold ministry and the arming of the fivefold ministry. Now, I'm not suggesting we necessarily break the law right now. We understand that there was a brief moment when it might have been necessary. But I want you to recognize that the enemy is trying to prolong something beyond what is necessary because he is trying to do exactly the enemy is the same as he was now as he was thousands of years ago. His strategy has not changed. The same enemy that spoke to the Philistines on how to disarm Israel is the same enemy that is speaking right now to leaders all around us to disarm the church. And if I say this and it offends you, I'm sorry. I'm speaking the truth as I see it and know it. I recognize that we have had to take a break and we don't want this virus to spread and and we want good health for everyone and we want people who um, are sick and their, their immune systems are compromised to stay home and you can be equipped by watching live stream. And, and I recognize that that is getting us through for a season, but nothing, nothing, nothing can replace the body actually coming together. Nothing can replace the scriptures in this word that talk about touching and agreeing and laying hands on the sick. Nothing can replace the assembling together. Nothing can replace the fivefold ministry coming together. And I'm here to tell you that that we cannot allow that freedom of gathering together to be taken 
permanently. Although it may be paused for a season, we must follow the leading of the Spirit. We must pray for leaders to have godly, wise instruction for the church. And we must recognize that we have to eventually open up the blacksmith shops again. And we find out because they were closed in Judges chapter 4 that the, the army of Israel had no weapons. They were living in idolatry. They were afraid to come out of their homes. And they had no way to defend themselves. This is how the enemy was working to destroy God's people. And what was the answer? What was the answer? God could have chosen any judge. He could have chosen any deliverer. He could have gone back and chosen another Ehud, Ehud who was the left-handed warrior. He could have gone and anointed another Samson who had great strength. But in this particular season, an unarmed Israel, afraid to come out of their homes with new forms of idolatry being formed. What was the recipe for deliverance? A mother. Kevin preached this this morning and I reiterate it tonight. America needs the spirit of a mother to rise up. America needs a mom right now. I would say looking at Judges chapter 4 and 5 and where our nation is right now, we need the anointing of Deborah to rise up in this nation. Why? Because moms have strategic solutions that are needed in our nation right now. So it says this, village life ceased. It ceased until I, Deborah, rose like a mother in Israel. And this is the prophetic word I speak to you as women of fire right now. It is time to rise up as the mother of a nation. You have been the mother of your children, but it was just training ground so that in the spirit realm, you could be the mother of a nation. You didn't know that every day you wake, woke up and changed diapers and fed or parented that teenager or molded that middle schooler or taught that five-year-old that God was conditioning you with leadership skills that you could actually use as weapons to bring great awakening and deliverance to a nation. But I'm here to tell you the gifts and the leadership skills you have learned as a mother is exactly what this nation needs right now. They need the healing touch of a mother. They need the stability of a mom in, in stressful situations. They need the wisdom of a mother. They need the conflict resolution skills that you as a mother hold. America needs a mom right now to rise up at least the spirit of a mom, which we know can be represented through the Holy Spirit. And so Deborah rose up as a mother in Israel. And I am asking you as women of fire, rise up in that anointing of motherhood as a mother over America. Deborah, if you look up her name, I don't have time to go into that. I've taught that before, but it means bee or busy bee. And she was the wife of Lapidoth. And that's what I want to focus on. So Deborah, bee was one of the wisest creatures. Ancient civilization considered bees to be one of the most intelligent creatures. So it shows that Deborah had great wisdom and intelligence by natural standards. Um, but they also had a very um, keen ability to kill with a sting. So if you look at the nature of a bee, you find 
the recipe of a mother, okay? A mom is a bee. She is busy constantly. She is always preparing for the future and preparing for all circumstances. Moms are always prepared. Moms sleep little and work hard. This is the life of a bee. And a bee creates honey for everyone around them. A bee creates more honey than it will ever use or need in its lifetime. Its production of honey will feed the whole hive. And mom, you are a producer of honey. You are you work so hard and very rarely do you ever personally eat the fruits of your labor. You are feeding your house. You are providing honey to everyone in the hive. You are busy at work producing something that is sweet and nurturing and valuable to everybody in the house. But the same mom who produces honey is also the same mom who has a stinger that is full of deadly poison. Okay, I might be sweet to my family, but if you become an enemy to my house, I will pull out my stinger on you. And this is this is the life of a bee. It is a busy bee that produces honey for those it loves, but has the ability to be a fierce warrior and protector of the hive when needed. And I'm here to tell you this was Deborah. This was Deborah. But it also says she was the wife of Lapidoth and There's so much interesting research about this. I challenge you to read some commentaries. I don't want to teach it tonight, but Lapidoth actually can mean fiery one, keeper of the flame, torches, which means that Deborah was married to the flame. (laughs) Deborah was married to the fiery one. Deborah was married to the torch to the candlestick. And and this is what it means to be a woman of fire. You are married to, joined to, will not separate from the presence of God, the fire of God, the torch of God. That's what it means to be a woman of fire. You light a fire in your house because you are married to the flame of God and you, everyone around you knows it. Everyone knows I'm married to Kevin because of this beautiful uh, wedding ring and engagement ring he purchased me. But I pray that everyone I encounter knows that I am married to the presence of God, that I am the bride of Christ, the fire in his eyes is in my life, that I am married and in covenant to the flame, that they see that flame on my life, that I become in covenant and married to the flame of God. This was Deborah. This is interesting because God chose Deborah to win the victory for Israel. And she's a combination of a couple things. Not only does her name mean be, and not only is she married to or in covenant with torches or the fire, uh, the flaming one, but Deborah, very clearly it states here in Judges chapter four, she is a prophetess. She is straight a prophetess. She has the spirit of the Lord come upon her and she speaks things that she does not know by natural knowledge, but by the spirit of revelation that comes upon her. She has sight into the future. She has ears that are tuned to heaven. Deborah does not just walk by natural vision and, and natural hearing, which as mothers, we we have this God-given insight. Mothers can see beyond natural vision and we know beyond natural knowledge and we hear beyond natural hearing. Even without being a prophetess, it's called mom's intuition. You know when your child is lying to you. You have this gut feeling when they're out doing something they shouldn't do. You know when they're hiding something from you. You may deny it. You may try to talk yourself out of it, but in your gut, you know. And I'm here to tell you when the Holy Spirit gets on a mother and, and 
gives you that prophetic anointing, that mother's intuition goes to a supernatural level. And Deborah walked in that. It was beyond just a mother's intuition. She had the anointing of a prophetess. And I'm here to tell you, moms, I pray that you go beyond mother's intuition and that the Lord can just unlock an anointing to prophesy over your house, over your children, that you are not limited to natural vision and natural hearing. You are not limited to mother's intuition, but that you have a direct line to the Holy Spirit and you can see into the future. Jochebed, who is a mother I'll talk about later, she saw the baby Moses and it says she knew he was, there was something about him that was different. She knew she had to fight for him. She knew she had to preserve him. And I'm here to tell you, if you're going to be the deliverer of a nation, you've got to walk more by more than just your natural vision and your natural hearing. And you're going to have to walk by more than just your natural understanding. Ladies, we have to stop limiting God to what he can explain to us at the beginning. We have to stop limiting our obedience to what God makes to make sense in our life. And many of us are just stuck. We are handcuffed by rational thinking and we are unable to be the prophetic mothers God has called us to be because God is speaking to us. He is telling things to us and we are waiting until we understand before we act. And I'm here to tell you by the time you understand God, you are usually behind when you act. By the time you uh, understand why he told you to do something, it's usually too late to obey. I'm here to tell you God wants you to be a mother that walks by faith and that you trust the direction of the Lord more than you trust your own understanding. And some of you, let me just be real, you have been lost in this season because you are too afraid to to parent and do what God has called you to do with your family during this turbulent season. You are so gripped by fear. God is telling you, do this, act this way. I want you to say this. And you've been like, Father, that doesn't make sense. I don't understand that. And you're waiting, you're holding your cards until it makes sense. And by then it's going to be too late. God is looking for Debras who are not just moms. You are a prophetess in your house and you are able to have spiritual vision and speak spiritual words, even beyond your own understanding. Deborah was also a judge, which means she operated in a great amount of God-given wisdom. There was something about Deborah that men and women alike brought her their problems and she could give a wisdom to resolve them. This is what Solomon had, was a unique gift of wisdom. He could uh, look at any conflict and know how to resolve it. And I'm here to tell you, moms, you are masterful conflict resolvers. You know how to make your children share. You know how to make siblings love one another. You know how to make your children do chores and like it. You know how to shift situations with that wisdom. And you can use that same wisdom to give great solutions to what's happening in our nation right now. I'm just going to take a moment. I'm going to stop and prophesy that there is legislation coming through the courts of this nation and the lawmaking institutions of our nation that are going to be birthed in the heart of mothers. Mothers are going to see it in a way lawmakers can't. Mothers are going to have strategy that lawmakers could not dream up on their own. Mothers are going to have solutions to the division that's plaguing our nation because you have spent your entire career as mother bringing 
resolution to great conflict in your home. And God is saying, I'm about to pull that out of the mothers in this nation to bring resolution to conflict in this nation. I'm here to tell you, mom, you better re- you better be ready. You better be ready. The Holy Spirit is about to give you a seat of influence. And there's going to be ears that listen to you. And you're going to be able to take the tools you have learned as a mother in your home and speak peace to conflict in our nation and speak resolution to situations that cannot be resolved in our nation. I'm here to tell you that our nation will be in turmoil until you, Deborah, arise as a mother in this nation. And I'm here to tell you there are going to be more strategies that are unlocked in this nation, more movements coming before us, uh, movements, motion that are that's going to come by the initiation of mothers. You want to know how ungodly laws are going to be unturned, overturned in this nation? You know how justice will be served at, in this nation when mothers stand up and demand justice? When mothers stand up and produce movements that get the attention of this nation for life and we stand up for what is right? Deborah was both a prophetess and a judge. And then it says in chapter 5 and 15 of the book of Judges, the sons, the princes of Issachar were with her and Issachar himself was with Barak. This is really important and you know this, we've talked about it, that Issachar, the tribe of Issachar, understood the time and the seasons of God. Remember our lesson on God's clock? If you're going to be a Deborah in this nation, not only are you going to have to have an anointing to prophesy, you're going to have to have an anointing of wisdom and conflict resolution. And not only are you going to have to have an anointing of wisdom and conflict resolution, you're going to have to operate by God's clock. You're going to have to know what time it is. And even right now, ladies, let me just tell you, We have got to know what time it is. We've got to know what time frames God has ordained and what time frames the enemy is trying to prolong or the enemy is trying to initiate in order to wreak havoc and destruction. We better know how to move with the cloud. We better know how to hear what God is saying and obey in God time, not rational time. And Deborah knew how to move and when to move. And because Deborah was this combination of prophetic anointing and godly wisdom and the timing of God, she walked in an understanding of that. We find that she find that she had practical answers and insight for what was plaguing the nation. Our nation is desperate for practical insight, divine solutions, divine wisdom for the struggle that we're in. We're so good in America at identifying the problems, but so few people are really identifying godly solutions. And I'm here to tell you it is time for the spirit of Deborah to rise up over this nation and stop identifying problems and start identifying solutions. Israel was in trouble and the leader they had had no answers. Barak had no solutions and Israel was at a standstill until Deborah arose as a mother in Israel. Have you ever had that moment in your house where the mama in you rises up and you say enough is enough? 
Children, you have fought enough. There's been strife in this house enough. There's been too much ungodly behavior in this house. There's not been enough peace. Have you ever just had that moment where you just start cleaning house in the spirit and you say enough is enough? Deborah had that moment. She rose up and she looked at the nation like she was looking at her house. She looked at the nation like she was looking at her children. And she said, I am tired of living the way we've been living. The mother in me is rising up to declare enough is enough. Barak, it's time to get up. Children of Israel, it's time to move. We don't have to live this way and we're not going to live this way anymore. Kevin preached on this this morning and I want to bring it back to you today. During this time of quarantine, we even talked about it several times in this group. Many of you have rose up, took a broom in your hands and started putting your house in order. You said enough is enough. Now that we're stuck here at home, I'm seeing where this is out of order. I'm seeing where this is out of timing. I'm seeing where this idol has to come down. I'm seeing where this idol has to come down. I'm seeing where this strife has to end. This has to come in alignment in our marriage. Many of you took up a broom and began to put your house in order. And you didn't know that God was preparing you to do the same thing for a nation. And I'm here to tell you, as our homes come into order, our nation is going to come into order. And the same solutions God has given you for your house will be the same solutions that America needs for this nation in this hour. Esther, I mean, um, Deborah was seated in authority, much like Esther. It says this, that Deborah sat under the palm tree between Ramah and Bethel. And that basically just means Ramah means hill and Bethel means house of God. And it was in the country of Judah, meaning it was a place of worship. Deborah sat on a hill in the house of God in the, the, the tribe of worship. Deborah sat in a high place of worship and she rested there. And there she found her authority under the palm tree in a high place of worship. I'm here to tell you, you've been learning to pray. You've been learning to fast because you've been building your seat of authority. That high place in the land of Judah under the palm tree. Why is the palm tree so important? Because the palm tree was a symbol in the Holy of Holies. The palm tree was a symbol in the temple of God and in the holy place. And here Deborah sat in the secret place. Under the shadow of the secret place. Her shade was the palm tree. And there she shifted a nation while she sat and rested in the secret place. She began to prophesy divine strategy and divine solution from the palm tree of the secret place on a hill of worship. There she sat. She didn't strive for answers. She's set in the secret place. And what's so important about a palm tree is a palm tree is a tropical tree. So much about studying the palm tree I won't go into today. I challenge you to take a day and study the palm tree. But it grows in a tropical place and it has very, very deep roots. And those deep roots are necessary because when tropical storms come, that palm tree is able to maneuver and shift and bend but not break when the winds of storm blow. And because that palm tree is deeply rooted in the ground, when the storm passes over, 
the palm tree is still standing. And I'm here to tell you, ladies, if you're going to be the mother of a nation, you've got to get some roots in the spirit and you've got to stop falling over every time the winds of adversity blow. If we're going to lead a nation, ladies, we can't fall apart every time a pandemic comes. We can't fall apart every time um, that there's a a rumor of war or, or there's a rumor of conflict or that we see our nation is unstable or we think our finances are falling apart. All of these things make us fear in the natural. But when we become seated under a palm tree, we become seated in a place that the wind and the storms may blow and we are able to maneuver with the storm. We are able to bend with the wind and we don't break and for our families we become a deeply rooted palm tree I've had to be a palm tree for my children how about you have your children not been stressed have they not been disappointed about what's going on around us have they not missed out on some things have they not been afraid of the sickness and afraid of what's coming and afraid life would never be normal and if we as women don't get rooted we will feed that fear in our children we will feed that fear in our family but if we will become deeply rooted like a palm tree we can continue to provide shade and covering for our children even when the storms blow our children need to see us rooted in Christ that no matter how scary it looks around us our peace is steadfast our confidence is not in Wall Street or our confidence is not in in a a vaccine our confidence is not in what the news and the media can tell us but our confidence is in Jesus Christ and we are deeply rooted in him and I challenge you ladies if this has not revealed anything to me and anything to you, it is that we have got to get deeper roots. We cannot fall apart. This nation cannot fall apart every time trial comes. Because I'm here to tell you, according to this word, this may just be the beginning of birth pains. And we have to be a stable palm tree for our house. Deborah resided and sat under a palm tree. And it's what qualified her to lead a nation. Some of you want to prophesy to a nation, but you first got to learn to prophesy to your family. You've got to see the wind blowing outside, but be able to declare what God is saying. You've got to be unmovable. You've got to be unshakable. And some of you have been in a qualifying round. God wants to give you influence. He wants to give you voice. But if you're falling apart in this storm, you're not ready to be a stable voice for a nation. God is asking you dig deeper, make your roots go deeper, sit under that palm tree so that no matter what storm comes, you don't get uprooted. You don't lose your cool. You don't panic. You don't lose your peace. You don't feed fear. It doesn't mean you're not cautious. It doesn't mean you don't walk in obedience. But we can't let our children watch the storms uproot us. Our roots have to be in Christ. And then this is one of the last things about the combination of the anointing on Deborah that I want to share with you. And this is and it's this. Deborah had an anointing to agitate. Oftentimes, prophetic anointing will have within the recipe of that prophetic anointing an anointing to agitate. We think of agitate like getting on someone's nerves, and it can mean that. It can mean to trouble someone or to make them nervous. But another definition of the word agitate is to produce motion, to stir the water, to stir something up that was once still or motionless. To agitate means to begin movement, begin, initiate movement. 
And this is what the anointing of Deborah is. And this is the anointing that God wants to rise up in you. God wants to see the anointing of Deborah over this nation. We cannot be paralyzed by fear anymore. This nation cannot be paralyzed. It's time for motion. It's time for movement. It's time for the anointing of Deborah to begin an awakening, begin a movement, begin motion that we may not finish, but we are called to start. I said that a long time ago about this group. It's not going to end with us, but it might begin with us. We are here to start motion that moves our husbands and moves our children and moves our leaders, moves the whole house. It's not just about the women, but just maybe God has caused us to be the agitators in this season. Maybe your fasting and your prayer is agitating. It's troubling the waters. It's uncovering, it's moving things. And we're going to see victory because of that movement. Deborah had to become the agitator because Barak wasn't moving. Barak was afraid. And so she said to him, get up. Barak, get up. It's time to move. It's time. Don't you know what God has said? Don't you know God's going to give you the victory? Deborah actually spoke with great authority to the leader of Israel and he listened. He had great confidence in her words. Her words broke motionless. It broke paralysis over leadership. The words of Deborah broke paralysis and complacency over leadership and caused motion that set victory into motion. It released Barak to act on the word of the Lord. I don't know why Barak was paralyzed. We don't know why Barak was not acting as the leader he did. But Deborah's words agitated him and moved him into alignment with the will of the Lord. It's time for our words and it's time for our prayers to agitate leadership and bring leadership into alignment with what God is saying. It's time for motion to be motion to come to the bride again so that she can move toward victory. Not only did Deborah agitate J, um, Barak to finally march against Sisera and Jabin's army, but the words of Deborah inspired Jael, the other heroine in this story. The housewife, the quiet one who was in her tent. Deborah prophesied it. She said, Barak, because you were afraid to go without me, you're not going to get honor in this situation. It's going to a woman. And in that moment, Deborah's words anointed and inspired Jael, and it caused her to get up. Deborah prophesied something that produced emotion all the way in the house of Jael. Because I'm here to tell you in this story, the battle is in the house, not on the battlefield. The battlefield is actually moved to the home in this story. And I'm here to tell you that's what's happening in our nation. The battlefield is not in the airwaves where jets are flying and not on the ground where army tanks are moving. The battle is within the tent. The battle's in the home where we've all been quarantined, where we've all been forced to be with our families. I'm here to tell you the spiritual warfare is in the home. And it's J.L. in the home who's about to win victory for a nation. What happened in J.L.'s house actually affected the entire nation. And we find that Sisera came creeping into J.L.'s home. Sisera, the leader of the opposing armies, when Barak finally moved in obedience to the Lord, 
Sisera was dethroned from his chariot and he ran on foot to Jael's house, a house he was comfortable in because Jael's husband was in alliance with the enemy, a house that had some unholy alliances. But on this day, little Jael said, enough is enough. Our house has been in alliance with the enemy long enough. And today I'm about to break that alliance. And Sisera felt comfortable because the enemy up until this day could be comfortable in JL's house. And I'm here to tell you, the enemy may have been comfortable in your home year after year, generation after generation, family attack after family attack, familial spirit after familial spirit. But I'm here to tell you, you're about to rise up as a mother of this nation and evict out of your house enemies that were once comfortable in the four walls of your home. Sisera came walking into Jael's house thinking it was a safe place, but on this day something shifted in Jael. The words that Deborah spoke publicly empowered Jael privately. The words that Deborah spoke publicly inspired Jael privately. And on this day, Jael said, the enemy that has been in covenant with my family year after year and generation after generation, I declare no more. I declare Sisera may think he is comfortable in my tent, but I have heard the words of Deborah and there's an agitator inside of me. There's something being set in motion inside of me and enough is enough. And so Sisera came into the tent, and you can read the story in great detail. Jael did not try to be Barak to defeat him. Jael did not try to be Deborah to defeat him. Jael was true to herself, and she used weapons she was comfortable with to defeat her enemy. And I'm here to tell you, moms... You don't have to try to be somebody else. You don't have to try to be your pastor's wife or a prophetess you know or a businesswoman down the road to be victorious. The weapons in your hand, the weapons you are comfortable with, they are all you need to win victory in your tent. And the victory you are winning in your tent will actually bring victory to this nation. Deborah was a tent maker. And what you got to understand about these nomadic tribes was that it was the woman who built the tent. That's why Proverbs 14 and 1 says, a wise woman will build her house, but a foolish woman with her own hands will tear it down. It was the hands of a woman that built and tore down the tent in that day and age. And Jael knew she may not have known how to prophesy. She may not have known how to be a judge. She surely didn't know how to to drive a chariot. And I bet she had never swung a sword a day in her life. But she was absolutely qualified for this victory because she knew how to swing a hammer and a tent peg. Things that she used in her daily domestic house wife repertoire, the things she did every day as a housewife, became deadly weapons in her hand. She actually killed J.L. J.L. actually killed Sisera with hospitality. She lured him with hospitality, laid him down, put a blanket on him, fixed him a drink. She, She comforted him to sleep with that gift of hospitality. And she took a hammer and a tent peg, which seemed to be common everyday housewife tools. But on this day, the Lord was anointing her to win a victory that would rescue a nation. And this is what I want to say to you daughters. Be true to who you are. You are 
are equipped for this battle. What you have in your hand is all you need. It's like the anointing of Cinderella. Everything she had, she already needed. The fairy godmother just had to sprinkle fairy dust on it. And I'm here to tell you, the Holy Spirit just has to breathe on who you already are to equip you for everything you need. Quit feeling insufficient. What's in your hand is what you need for this battle. And what she built her house with was all she needed to defeat her enemy. Which also means what she could have torn her house down with could have also been a foothold for the enemy. Don't tear down your house, build it up. And what she built her house with actually crushed the head or the authority or the root or the foothold of the enemy in her house. And it says this, I want to end with this today. Verse 24 says this, because of what Deborah did and because of what Jael did, verse 24 says this, the children of Israel grew more and more powerful over King Jabin of Canaan until he was no more. Why is this important? Because it wasn't just the one-time victory of Jael that actually set Israel free. That was the moment of agitation when Deborah rose up and when Jael crushed Sisera's head with the tent peg. That one victory began to agitate and set in motion all of Israel. That one victory became an example that inspired the men and the children alike. What these women did actually strengthened the men. It actually strengthened the leaders. It actually strengthened the army. It strengthened the children. And it says this, from that day, the children of Israel grew stronger and stronger until finally the power of the king of Jab- the king Jabin of Canaan was no more. I'm here to tell you women, this is our assignment in this hour. As you go stronger, this nation will grow stronger. As you pick up your tent peg and your hammer, your husbands will grow stronger. Your children will grow stronger. Those attached to you will grow stronger. And I'm here to tell you, if the moms will arise up on this Mother's Day, if we as mothers will rise up as Deborah, if we will rise up as an army of Deborahs, if we will rise up not as just a mother to our house, but the mother of a nation, I prophesy this nation will grow stronger and stronger until our enemies are no more. You were made to inspire and agitate those around you. It's not always fun to be the agitator, but you were born and anointed and appointed to do it. And I'm here to tell you every day you fast, every day you pray, every day you make your declarations, every day you get in your group of seven, you are picking up a hammer, you are picking up a tent peg, you are being true to yourself and who God has anointed you to be, and you are agitating a nation in the spirit. You are producing motion. That will bring not just one victory in your tent, but a victory in every tent of this nation. And this tale of two mothers shows us that an entire nation can truly be shifted by the agreement and the prophetic alignment of two women. So don't tell me that this mighty group of women of fire cannot produce a movement of agitation 
that actually brings a wave of deliverance to our nation. As it goes in your house, so it will go in our nation. And as that anointing is released in your tent, so that anointing will be released in a unified force over our nation. And I'm here to tell you what America needs right now is the moms to rise up. Don't underestimate your position, JL. And don't silence your voice, Deborah. It's time to rise up and agitate our leadership to victory. Agitate our leaders and our coverings to victory. Agitate our homes to a point of motion where we are no longer paralyzed by fear. And we go out and we take what belongs to us. And we operate according to the word of the Lord. And we see victory all over this nation. Let me pray a prayer to just stir up the agitator within you in the name of Jesus. And then I just want to bless you on this this Mother's Day. Father, I just raise my hands up and I just pray right now over every woman of fire watching right now. Father, I declare that this is the hour for the anointing of Deborah to rise up in each one of us. This is the hour for the anointing of JL to rise up upon each one of us. This is the recipe for victory right now. This is why we call ourselves the Women of Fire group. We are married to the flame and we are ready to see victory in this nation. And Father, for a nation that is inventing idolatry and walking in disobedience and desperately unarmed in this hour, for a nation whose arsenals are being shut down, we declare that there is the spirit of Deborah rising up, that moms are rising up with a greater realm of responsibility than just our homes. But Father, we own the responsibility of a nation and we declare we will rise up as mothers of this nation and that every skill and, and weapon that we have been given To be mothers in our homes is exactly what's needed in this nation. And I pray that would rise up. And Father, an anointing to agitate would come over this group. In Jesus' name, I pray an anointing of agitation over this women of fire group. Not by definition to get on people's nerves, but by definition to produce motion where there is apathy, lethargy, stillness, and paralysis. We declare the prayers and the declarations of this group and each group of seven will begin to produce unstoppable motion. I declare that right now. You are receiving the anointing of an agitator to push, to to make those around you rise up, those that are paralyzed in fear. I declare you are tipping the scales in the name of Jesus, that we are tipping the scales to a a motion that cannot be stopped, a king kingdom force that cannot be stopped, an agitation that will move the leaders around us, an agitation that will move our children and the next generation. I declare our victories will produce an agitation that will cause this nation and and the remnant in this nation, nation to grow stronger and grow stronger and our enemy will grow weaker and grow weaker. I declare we will produce a movement that will cause the kingdom of God to become stronger and stronger as our enemy grows weaker and weaker in the name of Jesus. And that we will not be afraid to be agitators in the name of Jesus. That we will overcome fear and we will rise up under the palm tree of peace in the secret place and the covering of the Most High. 
I pray that over moms right now in Jesus' name. I pray that over leaders, over all women, for the anointing of Deborah and Jael to be released in Jesus' name. And I bless you on this Mother's Day that you will take the principles of this tale of two moms. You will dive in and study it and find even deeper revelation. And that you will recognize if two moms can change a nation, how much more can we as a unified group rise up in the spirit of Deborah and JL to see victory in Jesus' name. God bless you all. I'll be checking back in with you this week as we'll move into our third woman who changed the world around her. God bless you.